I want to preach a very simple gospel message to you this morning. I don't know when I'll have the opportunity again, so it's very important that your heart and attention is riveted on this theme, the road to heaven. We are hearing a lot today about the road to the White House and the road to the Super Bowl, but they pale in comparison to the importance of the road to heaven. Revelation 4, 1 says, And after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. That's fitting. (laughs) A trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said, Alleluia and her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. In the first text, a door is standing open in heaven, and a voice says, Come up here. In the second passage, there is a great multitude in heaven. As I move around, there are some major questions asked me about heaven, and it's a subject that's captivating many people today. Some of these questions are, how do I get to heaven? Do all roads lead to heaven? And of course they do not. My subject today is the road to heaven, not the many roads to heaven. Will I recognize my loved ones in heaven? Most assuredly you will. What will we do in heaven? A lot. (laughs) And these are all very viable questions, but I first want us to look at a couple of other questions, a couple that aren't always asked me, like, where is heaven? A lot of folks say, uh, heaven is where you want it to be. Heaven is all around you. If that is true, it's pretty sick. Where is heaven? Psalm 14, verse 2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men. Jeremiah 31, 37 says, If heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, and it goes on to talk about that. Acts 1, 9 through 11 has these phrases therein. 
In verse 9, he was taken up. Verse 10, as he went up. And verse 11, again, he was taken up. Heaven is definitely up. That's where heaven is. Paul went into the third heaven. There is this atmospheric heaven, there is the cloudy heaven, and then there is the heaven that we all, I trust, want to be in. Paul was privileged to visit there even before he died. It's up. We're going up. Who is in heaven? That's a question not often asked. Well, Isaiah 66, 1 says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. We know God is there. Psalm 14, 2, we've already read, The Lord looks down from heaven. Ecclesiastes 5, 2, For God is in heaven. Matthew 6, 9 is the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, and how does it begin? Our Father who art in heaven. God is definitely in heaven. But Revelation 19, 1, the passage we read from this morning, says, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. Ephesians 3.15 speaks of the whole family in heaven. People are definitely in heaven where God is. Now the big question is, will you be there? That's the big one. Will you be there? And if so, how do you get there? Well, I have a series of words I want to share with you as we examine this road to heaven. The first word is the word Jesus. You see, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. Revival pockets are breaking out around the world, and wherever they are, there is a strong declaration being made about heaven and hell, and you want to go to one, and you don't want to go to the other. And we're getting away, and I cannot be more thankful from this idea that it doesn't really matter how you approach this thing. God is a God of love, and He will overlook a lot of the things that we do wrong. Listen to me. It is so simple. Jesus is the way. Period. Exclamation. Final. The end. No other way. Can a person get to God in heaven but through Jesus Christ, his son? You cannot find the road through Shintoism or Buddhism or whatever ism you want to bring up. You don't get there through religion. 
You get there through a person, and his name is Jesus. I am the way. I am heralding that wherever I can. In private and in public, Jesus is the way. There is no other way. It says in Galatians 1.4, He gave Himself for our sins. Nobody else can claim that. Paul testified in Galatians 2.20, He loved me and gave Himself for me. The Sunday school teacher of the preschoolers asked her class, Now how many of you would like to go to heaven? All the children raised their hands except Tommy. The teacher looked at Tommy and said, why wouldn't you like to go to heaven? He said, I'm sorry, but I can't. She said, why? Because my mother told me to come right home after Sunday school. You know, too many have been told they can't go to heaven because they're not good enough. Or it's really a figment of imagination. There is nothing, they say, after you breathe your last. Or if you're ever going to aspire, you have to reach some level of perfection somewhere up here in the ethereal clouds. Well, friends, I've come to tell you it just ain't so. Jesus made a way. Jesus plowed a furrow through your sin. He blazed the trail. He plowed for you an avenue to get to God. He is the way. He bulldozed the path to heaven. And you want to know why? Not that we're good. Not that we can aspire. Here's the reason. He said, he said this, that where I am, there you may be. Can you imagine? Jesus wants us to be where he is. Now, wait a minute. I hear somebody say, you don't know me. I know that maybe. But God does, and he still says, I want you to be where I am. And so he made a way. And the word is Jesus. Say it to me. Jesus, he is the way. The second word is the word acknowledge. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. Oh, how we hate to acknowledge that. One of my sons is seated fairly close to me at the moment. <laughs> and when he was toddling, after he got over this two-week thing, <laughs> we went to my uncle's home, and uh, it was a very nice home. And the television looked so attractive to this little toddler. And I has, I'd said to him, Randy, leave your hands off of the furniture. Don't touch things. They had never had children, and I could tell children made them nervous. And Randy goes right over to the TV set. 
and starts monkeying with the dials. And I got up, went over, and slapped the back of his hand. Don't touch the furniture. By the time I got back to the sofa across the room, he was right back there with his hand back on that dial. And I went over and did the thing again, slapped his hand. Don't touch these pieces of furniture. I turned around, went back, would you believe? When I looked back, his hand was right back there again. Only this time, he had this one there and this one held out like this. to acknowledge our error. We are willing to get hit, torpedoed, judged, anything but to do it right. Acknowledge is the word. I have sinned. A businessman got really upset in one of these revivals when his wife came home and declared to him, I was saved tonight. And he protested. He said, don't say that to me. It's all right. If you say you've been converted or you've accepted Christ or you went forward, but don't ever talk about being saved. When you do, you infer that I am lost. Oh, see? What I mean, how we hate to acknowledge our sin. I have sinned. I sat on a presbytery with a church leader who was brought before us because of embezzlement, it appeared, from the local church, over $100,000. And he denied it, vehemently denied it. But every one of us felt he was guilty. Yet we could not put our finger on the evidence we needed to bring him into reconciliation. But warned him before he left that meeting that there was a God who saw everything and knew everything, and if he would not acknowledge his sin, God would judge him for his sin. Within six months, that man who was not yet 40 years of age dropped dead of a massive heart attack without warning. And all of the evidence of his sin was in his mother's garage in cardboard boxes that we discovered after his funeral. How we hate to acknowledge our sin before his brethren, before the executive leaders of the district, he would not say, I have sinned. I have a feeling I'm talking to a number of folk right now who are in that same category. You have not acknowledged your sin. Tell me why. Tell me, please, why. There is a word in our English language we need to get back to. It's the word humility. 
Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you. He will lift you up. But we have to start the process by acknowledging our sin. Will you do it today? It's the way to get on the road to heaven. The third word is the word God. God is the Father. And many people I meet today have a very bad image of Father. Father ran away. Father left the family. Father didn't pay the support. Father beat me. Father abused me. Oh my, it's everywhere. But our Heavenly Father is not that way. God loves you. God loves me. In fact, the book declares God so loved the world. So loved. Put a whole bunch of zeros in so. So loved that even after he wouldn't pay attention, I still love him. Ooh, I love him. And he finally got the message sometime later. God so loved. Can you imagine my father's heart with two sons here? God is using, God is blessing. Everywhere I go, people want to look at the pictures of that last day and invariably, and when they're looking at them and I'm talking about what was going on, tears stream down their cheeks. The anointing is still in the pictures. And they say, what is it like to have sons following you? And I said, I just can't even explain it. And I'm crying. I love them, but God so love that he will forgive every wrong I've ever done through Jesus his son whom he had to watch die on a cross I can't imagine watching my son die like that and having to turn away and do nothing about it you touch my family buddy you're in trouble but the father had to turn away because a penalty had to be paid. Don't tell me God doesn't love you. He loves you to the end of the world. He loved you so much he gave up the very best he had that you might be able to love him back. I've been to Pine Bluff, Arkansas twice since I left you and I'm scheduled to go back. Ron Woods is the young pastor of a great church. It's the church he grew up in. At 23 years of age, they elected him pastor. And they're running 700 people, beautiful new building. And he has a little boy by the name of Ryan. Ryan is five. Not Tiger Woods, but Ryan Woods. And Ryan loves golf because his father loves golf. And his father cut him down golf clubs to fit with a beautiful little bag, and when his daddy goes golfing, so does Ryan. So when I was with them, 
we're going to golf. And Ryan is in the vehicle and he says, hey, Pastor Glenn Cole. That's what he always called me, Pastor Glenn Cole. Hey, Pastor Glenn Cole, who's your favorite golfer? And I said, well, Ryan, I think maybe Freddie Couples. I said, who's yours? He said, well, I really like the shark. And you know that the shark got kicked out of a tournament, he said, because he had the wrong golf ball. I said, where did you learn that? He said, I read it in a magazine. <laughs> we get out there on the golf course, and he pulls his clubs out, and he's going around with us, and his dad lets him hit the ball whenever it's not going to be an inconvenience. And I watched that little five-year-old take out his little driver, put the ball down, and he had the perfect golf swing. He had a Tiger Woods swing, and that ball went 30 yards right down the middle. And when his dad got up on the green and missed his putt, Ryan puts the ball down, puts it right in the hole. <laughs> and I watched this father-son thing through 18 holes of golf. Hey, Pastor Glenn Cole, what'd you get on that hole? <laughs> you got to tell the truth, boy. You got a Ryan around. And I watched these two in love people, this little five-year-old and a 30-year-old dad building a great church. And it just said to me, God is so much like that, even greater. He would go to the ends of the earth for you because he loves you. And he wants you to hit it straight. The word is God. He is your father. And he loves you. Then... Added to that is the word gift. God's gift to you, according to Romans 6, 23, is eternal life. Why wouldn't you want that? To be in heaven with God eternally. Not doing daisy chains or twiddling your thumbs, but actively engaged in everything God ever wanted you to be and do. Eternal life. You will never perish. God's gift. We were in Tonga recently, and in Tonga, after the General Council, they give you gifts. And they gave my wife and I several of these Tongan mats. They are big. They cover a floor, cover a wall. Handmade Tongan mats, several of them. How do we get them home? Added to that, Bob Houlihan, my preaching buddy, was going on into the Far East for 28 days, and he wanted us to bring his mats home. <laughs> so I go down and find a lawn mowing box that a lawnmower had been shipped in, big and load it with mats. I find a cheap little old suitcase for 10 bucks that will put Bob Houlihan's mats in it and get it all taped up so it never come apart. And we've got these huge things out going to the airport, boxes and suitcases of gifts, along with my whale's tooth that they gave me. Beautiful. It's worth several hundred dollars. Sits on my desk at home, a whale's tooth. It was there saying, I love you. Thank you for coming. And when we got to the airport, there's one flight a week. It's a big event in Tonga. 
And all of the Tongans are there seeing if you have their gifts. What's that? Oh, that's the mats. Where's the whale's tooth? Well, it's in this bag. Checking out. Gifts are important. And why wouldn't you want to receive them? I mean, those mats are gorgeous. Do you have that one on your floor now we gave you? I thought so. They needed it. They're gorgeous. And I think about God's gift and how he loves us and how I saw in those people such deep appreciation. Here's the very best we have. Take it home. And we made it with all of it. And I think of God's gift and people just walk away and God is waiting at the airport to see if you're going to take the road that leads to heaven by accepting his gift and somehow they come without their ticket. They come without their passport. They come without an opportunity to get through the gate where the plane is. Oh, my friend, hear me today. The word is gift. Don't turn down God's gift. Thing ever given to man. The final word is you. I stand at the door and knock. Revelation 3.20 says, what door? Your heart's door. Your door. You must open the door. And God knocks in many ways. He knocks through conscience, through experiences, through our feelings of inadequacy, through a vacuum that's in our heart until He fills it and He alone can do that. As many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God. To become, you can become a son of God. People say, but I'm afraid to try because I'm afraid I won't measure up. It's not your problem. He said, as many as received Him, to them He gave the power. You don't get the power till you do the receiving. Then He gives you the power to become the children of God. Listen to me. Sin will do three things to you. One, it will take you farther than you wanted to go. Like Samson who said, I will go out like as before. But he was weak. Took him farther than he wanted to go. Secondly, it will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. They took him and put out his eyes, and he became like an animal grinding meal. Thirdly, it will cost you more than you're willing to pay. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. How tragic. Why do you run from God? Why do you do those foolish things that you know are going to destroy you? There is a road to heaven if you just get on it today. The sun will shine through. You see, we are approaching night in this world. It's getting darker every day. Night is coming on earth. No night in heaven. 
We will not need to sleep because on earth sleep is to restore our strength. Isn't it awful to have to go to bed when there's so much to do? I've got so many places to preach, so many places to go, and I have to go to bed. But in heaven, we'll never have to sleep because there's no drain of energy in heaven. Sleep won't even be necessary. Woo-wee! No more snoring. Night is a time when crimes are committed. In heaven, evil is gone and the light of the world, Jesus Christ, becomes the light of eternity. One of man's greatest insecurities is his fear of failure. In heaven, we will never fail. We will succeed in whatever we undertake. The curse is gone. Hallelujah. Spiritually, we will be close to God. No dry periods then. We will have an eternal walk with him. In heaven, we will know the kind of people we can really be. We reach only a small potential here. But there, we will be like him. We will share in heaven with our family, our friends, the patriarchs. No wonder the songwriter wrote, Oh, won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear, joyfully singing with heart bells all ringing. Oh, won't it be wonderful there? A businessman was walking down the street, a lawyer by trade, wealthy, saw a beggar along the road begging. He was about to give him some coins when he looked into his face and said, don't I know you from somewhere? And the beggar said, you ought to. We were on the same hall in school. We were good friends. He whipped out his checkbook and wrote a check to him for $100, handed it to him. The beggar took it to the bank, but before going through the door, he looked through the window and saw these well-dressed people standing there at the counters, and those behind looked very educated and well-groomed, and he said, you know, they'll never cash my check in here. Look at me, I'm filthy. Stuffed it in his shirt pocket and went on his way. The next day, the lawyer was on his way to the office and saw his friend again, looking exactly like he did the day before, he said, what did you do with my check? Why do you look this way? He pulled this rumpled piece of paper out of his shirt pocket and said, I still have it. He said, I went and looked in that window and said, they'll never cash this check in there because of me. Look at how I look. He shook him and said, listen to me. It's not how you look. It's not who you are. It's my signature on the bottom of that check. That will cash. Take it into that bank. Make a new man out of yourself. It's my signature that makes the difference. He did it, and it worked. Young men and women, singles, married, seniors, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter how many times you've tried to get on this road and failed. It's the signature at the bottom that counts. As many as received him, I will give them the power to become the children of God. 
and in heaven. This was the sound that was heard. Come up here. I hear it. I feel it. It's at times like my feet are about to come off the ground. We're so close. Come up here. God is saying, I want you where I am eternally. Come up here. Okay, God, any day now, we're going to be leaving here. The saddest thing to my wife and me would be that some of you wouldn't be in the group. That would break our heart. The tragedy of ministry is to go home at night and wonder how many walked away without taking the gift. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's room at the cross for you. Would you stand with me? Without a prayer, without a song, I would like everybody in this room that knows this moment you are not really on that road. As the musicians begin to lead us, I want you to start coming down here where I am and say by coming, Pastor Cole, I want to be on that road. I don't want to miss it. I believe what you preached is the word of God. There's a hell to avoid, friend. Don't go to hell. People are telling you to go to hell everywhere you look. Don't do it. Go to heaven. Go to heaven. If you want to go somewhere, go to heaven for heaven's sake. Go to heaven. That's where you really want to go. That's where you really want to be. Would you start coming as we sing, wherever you are, this is my appeal. Come and stand here with me and say by coming, I want to be on the road.